Hey everyone, I am back. Um, trying to stay focused and stay on schedule. I am committed to you guys. Wait a minute, hold on, listen to this, listen to this. I heard it this morning on my drive, um, dropping off my baby. Listen, listen y'all, listen. It's so funny running into you. It has to be three years since we last seen each other. Many flashbacks come to mind. I know y'all remember this, right? Some of y'all do. Crazy times we used to have with one another. I'm gonna cut it off in a minute. Hold on. Wait for the chorus. Wait for the chorus. But that's when I was a while and now. I couldn't care less about someone getting hurt. I've done my share of dirt. But I was a. Y'all, I'm sorry. I heard that this morning. And Dave Hollister is one of those artists that you just feel in your soul if you love soul and R&B music. So I just had to give y'all a little taste of that just because I heard it this morning. Gave me chills, brought back some awesome memories and it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about this morning. But I just, I just had to share that. I just had to share that with y'all. Anyway, today I'm going to talk about um, a topic that is always in the news somewhere because it's still relevant in America, in the world, um, racial divide, um, racism, which isn't real anyway, but like I said, I believe my last episode, it has taken on a life of its own and it dictates how we live in this world, um, con you know, based on the color of your skin. So yeah, I'm going to dive a little deeper into it today. I'll try not to get too much uh, into my emotions as I talk about it, but yeah, we're going to talk about this today. Um, so the first thing that I'm going to jump into is about, you know, what I just observe in my daily life, uh, in my career, in being a parent and so on and so forth. Um where I live has dictated a lot of what I notice now. And in New York, when I grew up in New York, I grew up in a very diverse neighbor neighborhood, best neighborhood in the world, woo woo, Tribeca. And I am of Harlem, also one of the best neighborhoods in the world. Um, I'm, not, I'm not gonna play, I don't know which one is better for me. I'm, I'm of both neighborhoods, so I get to claim them both. Um, I grew up in Tribeca, but I spent a lot of time in Harlem. I had family up there and I was, in, you know, in my childhood, I was there every weekend. But even with the things that I observed as a child being in a diverse neighborhood and being in a black neighborhood, you know, the the most important thing I saw was love, love amongst people. It had nothing to do with skin color. It had to do with personality and characteristics. It didn't, people did not like 
or dis I'm sorry, like or dislike people because of their skin color. It had to do with their attitudes, it had to do with the way they treated people, had nothing to do with their skin color. This was basically my experience growing up. The first time I experienced um a negative interaction with another human was in sixth grade. I attended a school that was predominantly white and I was the only person of color in the entire lower school, the entire lower school. I was in sixth grade, so there was nobody black in sixth, fifth, fourth, third, first, or kindergarten in my school when I attended. And I'm not going to name the school. Some of y'all know what it is. It's it's irrelevant right now. But uh, during recess, we were out, and you know, after lunch playing. I think we were playing tag. It was during the winter. And I don't even remember what happened prior to this. But one of the boys that was in my class hit me in the face, basically smashed a piece of ice in my face and called me a racial slur. And I was like, what? Like, I was so shocked that I didn't, it it had never occurred ever in my life before. You know, I was 11 years old and my feelings were hurt and not because of the racial slur, but because he hit me and he didn't like me. I was one of those kids that, you know, liked being liked. Anyway, uh, but when I got home and told my mom about it, she corrected the situation immediately. Thankfully, you know, she was a very educated woman. And even though she was emotional about it, she hit him with, you know, all of her legal terminology from her career and shut it down quickly. The boy never approached me or ever came near me again. But he was not suspended or had detention as far as I know. I don't know what his punishment was, if any, but I know that he never approached me again. Um, So that was actually my first experience with racism. And quite honestly, growing up in New York, I really didn't experience that again. The next time I experienced racism was when I came here to Atlanta to go to college. And I was going to the movies with my boyfriend and my cousin and two girls cut in front of us on the concession stand while we were getting snacks. And we were like, um, excuse me. We were standing here in line. And when we got back in front of them, they called us the N-word. And I was like, what, what? And I'm not going to go into all the details about what we did. We we didn't get in trouble. We didn't do nothing that um, anybody who was offended wouldn't do we we were calm about it but yeah that was the second time and I was like they got a lot of damn nerve especially since they weren't even they were ethnically white in appearance so I don't know if they were Greek or Italian or what have you but they were ethnic it wasn't like they were you know you it, it their appearance told us that they were not uh, born here or their ancestors weren't born here because of their features. And that's just it. We made a judgment based on their appearance, just like people make judgments about Black folks based on their appearance. 
Um, in New York, like I said, I didn't experience a whole lot of racism and I was all over the city, different boroughs. It was a wonderful childhood, good and bad times. I look back on my childhood as awesome, wonderful. I use awesome a lot. I'll try, I, I make note of that. So I just wanna let y'all know that I know that I use the word a lot, but I, I'll try and keep it to a minimum. Anyway, so um, growing up, uh, or excuse me, experiencing Georgia as a new adult, because I was here during college years, I didn't experience it that much because I didn't stray that far from campus. And when I did, you know, it was shopping or maybe an off-campus party, but I stuck pretty close to campus and I went to, you know, HBCU, whoop, whoop, Clark Atlanta University. I wasn't going to mention names, but I'm going to shout out my college. Yep, 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 whoop, whoop. It was great. It was a wonderful experience. I loved it. Um, but yeah, I stuck close to campus. I had more issues with girls at Spelman than I did with anybody who wasn't black. And we're not going to go into that because then this whole podcast would extend like three, four hours. But anyway, um, yeah, my college experience was great. And like I said, the racism was not prevalent. I want to bring y'all up to current times and things that I have learned um, in my older years now um, and being a realtor. And I have been a realtor <sighs> consistently now That's for really over nice. a year, but not, um, anyway, y'all need that history. Let me not mess up my podcast because I'm not recording this over. We almost at 10 minutes. Anyway, I have been a realtor uh, now for over a year straight here in Atlanta. And I have noticed some things. I have read some books and after reading these books, and I have mentioned this book previously. I'm going to mention it again because it, it changes the way you see things and it makes things so obvious. The book is The Color of Law by uh, Rothstein. That's his last name. I, I think it's Richard Rothstein. I always forget his name and I should have wrote it down. I wrote some stuff down, didn't write his name. But the last name is Rothstein. The book is The Color of Law. It has references to other books in there that you can read. It is a treasure of knowledge and it has no judgmental tone. It basically just lays out America um, in a very geographical way and how you know your location can dictate how you're treated and how areas are treated and how and the result of that. So I, I, I'm not going to go into depth about the book, but if you read and if you are curious about learning more about racism here in America, please read that book. But please, I'm going to mention it every chance I get because I was so it has changed me and changed the way I observe things. So, and it's good reading. It's easy reading. You're not going to get bored. It, it goes straight into the point. It gives you great, you know, prefaces into, you know, the topic at whatever chapter, you know, what's within the chapter. Okay, I'm getting tongue-tied. Let me slow down. Anyway, it's a great book. Please read it. So, um, 
There, I was having a discussion with my youngest daughter and some of her friends um, about how we speak and how she, myself, two of her friends have all been told somewhere along the line in our line in our lifetime that we speak white. Now, I'm gonna talk about this for a little bit. I don't speak white. I speak properly. And the reason why I speak properly is because I'm a reader. You encounter anybody, anybody, black, white, alien, whoever you want to talk about, anyone who has read the English language, we all sound similar because words are created with a specific pronunciation. So if you read and you read that word with the pronunciation it was given when it was created, we're all going to sound similar. Southerners have a little twang when they talk, but they still sound the same. We still say the same words, right? I'm not a Southerner. I'm a Northerner. So I put a little more emphasis on the word call, not call, but call. That's how I say it. But we're still saying the same word with the same inflections in in the crux of the word. Let's just put it that way. Um, and I explained to the kids, you know, the reason you sound that way is because you're readers. Your parents had you reading when you were young. I had, you know, my baby reading when she was young. That's why we sound like that. Anyone who reads on a consistent level and throughout their lives continue to read, we're going to sound like this. When I'm not reading, when I'm talking and having fun with my friends, yeah, I say words differently. When I get excited, sometimes I sound Hispanic when I'm angry because I don't know why. That's My mother used to yell at me and it used to come out like that. So maybe that's where I get it from. Growing up in New York, I was around lots of Puerto Ricans and lots of Dominicans. And I have picked up that, you know, tone here and there. And when, you know, when Hispanics get, you know, excited, you hear it, it comes out more. Listen to Cardi, listen to anybody, you know, who's Hispanic when there is, you know, a little bit of anger and a little bit of tension. It, it's harder. The, the, the accents on the words are harder. So that's what it is. Um, here in Atlanta, I can pick up, you know, I'm good with mimicking sounds. So sometimes when I speak to Southerners, I start to sound a little Southern. I start to hit a little twang in my tone when I speak just because I'm communicating and just want to talk on the same level of the person I'm talking to. It's easy enough to do. But it really, for me, it's about connection. So maybe that's why I naturally do it. I don't know. But that's who I am. But honestly, that talk white thing, it has nothing to do with skin color. It has to do with reading. And not education, just reading. Because children's books can be educational, but they aren't always. It's just the entryway into reading more. So that's, you know, that's how children learn how to read. You get the simple books. One, two, three, four, or what is it? One, two, buckle my shoe, three, four, shut the door. You learn your numbers, you learn words, you get excited, you have fun when you're reading and you just continue to read more. You, 
if you want, you know, proper inflection and tone and diction when you speak, just read. Just read. Because when we don't know how to pronounce a word, what do we do? We Google it and we listen. And that, that's the pronunciation. That's it. And then if we're from a specific area, then, you know, the, the, the accents come in. Anyway, um, I just wanted to talk about, <laughs> you know, how living in a specific area. So since I've been here in Atlanta, I have lived on the south side. I haven't made it up north yet, but I work and my children go to school or did go to school up north uh, of Atlanta. And it's totally different. When I first moved here, I have a lot of hair. And when I first moved here about six months after arriving, my hair started shedding more. And I thought maybe it was the heat and it needed more moisture. And turns out that was part of it. But the water is different over here on the south side than it is up there on the north side. I worked uh, in the perimeter area uh, and I have drank water from water fountains up north and the water tastes totally different than the water from the faucets here on the south side. Now granted, I don't. I started off drinking water from the faucets, but I didn't like the way it tasted. So I ended up doing, you know, bottled water, which everyone does now. But there was a huge difference. And I really didn't know what was going on about my hair and I was panicking, you know, I love my hair. Um, I'm quick to cut it off when I get sick of it, but I still love my hair. And someone told me maybe it's the chemicals in the water. And that was something that had never crossed my mind. And when I put a filter on my shower, the shedding stopped. And I was like, holy sh! that it was the water. And yes, I did need to moisturize my hair a little bit more because there was more sunshine here than in New York, but it really was the water. And from then on, I have always had filters on my showers. And I thought that was really interesting because it's not that way up north. Now, as I said, I have lived here on the south side um, since I've been here in Atlanta, but I've spent, you know, a few nights up there in, on, in Sandy Springs or Perimeter, and I did live up north in Gwinnett County, and the water's different. It's different. It's totally different. And I'd like to also point out that the water in southwest Atlanta is different than the water in southeast Atlanta, because now I live southeast, and the water is better over here. And you know what my theory is? I live in a diverse neighborhood now. In Southwest Atlanta, the neighborhoods I lived in were pre predominantly black. They are now being uh, gentrified. But when I was there, all my neighbors were black. So, and, and historically, Southwest Atlanta is black. But it's being gentrified and there are a few white neighbors over there now. But here in Southeast Atlanta, which also was historically um, black, it was gentrified a while ago and it's still becoming more gentrified. But because of the gentrification, I think that there is more um, attention being paid to the systems over here. When I first moved over here, I could not get 
Google Fiber. Yeah, Fiber Internet. Uh, I'm sorry, I got stuck. AT&T Fiber, that's what I'm trying to say. It wasn't Google. AT&T Fiber was not available on my side of the block. But one block over, it was available. So slowly moving east. And finally, it's here. And I just thought that was amazing that it wasn't available one block away from where I live. It was available one block away from where I lived, and but wasn't over here. And that the water systems and the security and the police response is totally different than it was, say, 20 years ago. It wasn't uh, what it is now. It's better now. And I know evolution and typically, you know, time has marched ahead, so they improved it. But I'm not convinced that that's why they improved it. When the pandemic hit and they shut down uh, public transportation here in this city, they eliminated specific routes. They eliminated routes in black neighborhoods. Where didn't they eliminate routes? They just reduced the service in the white neighborhoods. And you know who takes the buses? Not the white people. But just in case they need to ride, they make sure those buses are available. And that is, obviously this is my opinion, but it's also my observation. I have taken the public, the buses here, the buses and the trains, and I don't see a whole bunch of white people coming from my side of town, from the south side. They get on Midtown, and then they keep going north, but unless they're going to the airport, I do not see a whole bunch of non-colored people on the public, uh, public transportation systems. So it's very interesting that they eliminated the systems in the area where they're used the most, or they did during the pandemic, and then only reduced services. And quite honestly, the bus in my neighborhood, they doubled it. They didn't reduce nothing, they doubled it. And I, I have taken this bus, there's no white people on the bus. I don't see white people standing at the bus stops waiting for the bus. It's black people. There are plenty of white, oh, white people in my neighborhood, but I don't see them on the bus. I think when their cars are, you know, go down or they, they either get a, um, a rental or they take Uber and Lyft. They do not get on the public transportation, the buses. They will take the trains. I have seen them on the trains, but I really don't see them on the buses. And I've taken a few routes. There's a route up by my daughter's school in Sandy Springs. And... Honestly, only people of color are on it. And from my observation, I am not judging anyone and I am not deeming anything about people, but it looks like people who are going to work in other people's homes as servants. That's what it looks like, these people who take the bus. Again, it's an observation in that neighborhood because if you see this neighborhood, I don't think you would think that these people actually live there. But anyway, I digress. I I don't want to I don't want to offend, but I'm just again, it's observation. I'm not trying to offend anyone. Um 
Oh, okay. We're at 23 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about this a little bit. I want people to be aware of the reason for the separation. It almost has nothing to do with skin color. It has to do with money. It has to do with location. It has to do with the politics of the city that you live in and the politicians. And I did say last week that I was going to talk about the elections and I don't like politics. So what I will say is that I heard someone speak about this and it's absolutely true. Um, Democratic candidates can't get elected without black folks. And the Republicans know that because no matter who the Republican candidate is, Republicans will go out and vote. They will vote, 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 vote. Democrats, they like to evaluate their candidates as they should. But if they don't like the candidates, a lot of people like, ah, nah, I'm not voting. I don't like either one of them. It's choosing, you know, the lesser of two evils. Well, the Republicans do that. That's why the Republicans win these races. So the few uh, applause to the few Democrats that made it into office. But remember that you didn't get there without the black vote. And if that weren't true, they wouldn't try so hard to stop us from voting. Um, once again, I live in a diverse neighborhood. I grew up in a diverse neighborhood. I've never had a problem voting because I vote with white people. But living in black neighborhoods, I saw what they did in the black neighborhoods with the bus systems. And it's horrible, it's just horrible. And it's geographic, right? They know the black people live there. I've read a few articles about the toxic air in sacrifice zones. Black neighborhoods are sacrifice zones, as are poor white neighborhoods. But we don't, we don't hear about that. You know, that's Midwest and you got to know some white people very well to know about their poor white relatives because they don't talk about them. They don't even mention them as family in discussions in rooms where there are people who are not family and people who are black. The highlight in the media is always the poor black folks. You would think that there are no poor white folks in the world the way the media highlights poor black folks. But um I'm losing I'm losing my I'm losing my topic. I mean I'm on topic, y'all. I'm on topic, but I, I'm losing I, I gotta follow my outline. Okay. So please just it, it, my point, right? I have to have a point to all of this. I'm sharing this because you got to understand, people should understand why things are happening and what they can do to help um, minimize the negative things in the world. That seems to be my theme, huh? Because I said that last episode too, because I was like, do your part. And if you can't do your part, then don't participate in not doing or don't participate in doing something that feeds the negativity. I said that in some way last week, but it's true. You cannot do certain things and that's still doing your part because you're helping to, uh, how do I say this? You're helping to not increase negative 
things in the world. Okay, I'm losing my thought because I finished my outline um, and I thought I would be talking longer, but I, my purpose, again, for just bringing up this topic is we're all humans. We should all judge people if we must judge based on their personality and their characteristics and whether or not, you know, we meld with that. If we're not comfortable with it, then we have to find other people. But we shouldn't condemn or convict or or think people are beneath us just because of their appearance. Um, I'm babbling now. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm babbling now. I'm, I'm <laughs> grasping at straws. I'm so glad y'all tuned in. Thank you so much. I don't want to um, end this crazy, but yo, go listen to Dave Hollister. It'll, if you know this artist, go ahead and get that, that good, warm, soulful feel from his music. He's still one of the greatest um, as far as I'm concerned. And do your best to do your best. Love humanity. I'm out. Follow me on social media. Auntie Cat on Instagram. Auntie Cat on uh, Twitter. Auntie Cat on Facebook. And I'll see you next week or I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye everyone.